This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Steph Magenta, my very first guest ever. Steph is a breathwork facilitator and teacher, licensed bodywork therapist, and qualified shamanic practitioner. She has a background in research and development in relation to addiction and substance misuse, with over two decades of work in sexual freedom activism. She is an award-winning writer and blogger for sexual freedom campaigning and a presenter and curator for two groundbreaking conferences in this field. She is the co-founder of Integrative Breath School of Breathwork Training, which she established with her dear friend, Dr. Ray Rydell, a U.S.-based doctor of chiropractic and functional medicine. Steph's work has a strong focus on healing trauma using a wide range of somatic modalities, which she uses to guide each person or group she works with to rediscover a strong sense of well-being, purpose, and vitality in life. How exciting is that? Welcome, Steph. Thank you so much. I'm so, so very grateful and excited to have you here. And I, I want to share with you why, because I want that to kind of be the context in which our conversation sits. Mm. When I started the podcast, I was asked to come up with like 30 topics and then from those to come up with the first nine that were important for who I wanted to speak to. I feel emotional even talking about it. And I knew that breath was one of the things I wanted to talk about because I use the breath a lot in my work. And when I started recording it, I was thinking, gosh, I know how to use it when I'm using it, you know, when I'm in front of a client, but talking about it is this whole other thing, you know, trying to give it words, I guess. And I mentioned Wim Hof because he came to mind while I was chatting. And as soon as I stopped recording. I thought, oh my God, Steph Magenta. I should have talked about Steph Magenta. And I mentioned it to my producer. I said, should I re-record it? And she said, no, just have her on another show. And I was like, okay, that's how it works. That's how you do this podcast thing. So I've been waiting since I recorded the launch episodes to have you here. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> How lovely to be anticipated so so eagerly. Even when you didn't know. Um, so so my audience is, gen- I mean, I, I know lots of people listen, but generally aimed at men in their midlife, 50s, 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. um, with often little to no experience or, you know, those guys who live in the analytical thinking mind. Yeah and are ready to come down into their body, or they have that inner knowing that there's something more to sexuality Mm. than what they haven't been taught because we haven't been taught. And the breath is such an important part of that. So tell us about yourself Mm. and, and then we'll jump into talking about breath. Mm. 
Okay, well, I guess within the context of what you've just framed, what strikes me immediately is that the anchor point for everything that I do, whether it's about the breath, whether it's about the body, whether it's about our sexuality and our, our experience of our sexuality is presence. And increasingly, that's what I bring to my work. It's presence. I am present to you in this moment. Now for this conversation, I'm present to my clients in that moment that we are in the session. My thoughts aren't elsewhere. My attention isn't elsewhere. And I feel that that is the fundamental key to all of these practices. Presence to ourself, first and foremost, because we have to know ourselves before we can really trust in that ability to know another. And then presence to the breath and presence to the body and presence to relating. Everything is relational. Everything. Right. You know, we're relating to nature. We're relating to our senses. We're relating to other people, our communities, our employers or employees or whatever it is that we're doing. So my my background, as you just said in the beginning, came from addiction, which was obviously, you know, physician heal thyself. That was my story. And in that journey towards self-healing, um, it's been a, a very wide-ranging dance through many different modalities, starting off with art, which I think was therapeutic for me, and in expressing through art, coming into counselling and therapy, realising, oh, uh-oh, there's stuff in here that I haven't dealt with. Maybe some of your listeners relate. You know, we all sit in the in the quiet private spaces of our mind, of our beingness, then we know when things feel out of alignment or something feels like it's missing. And in those gaps, which, you know, Gabor Mate and other people might call the, the hungry ghosts, it's kind of like, what is it that my soul is yearning for in this space? And it's usually connection, love, intimacy, freedom, you know, all the things that human beings crave. So my journey through these different modalities, I think in a way, without me knowing at the time, has been part of that process to coming back home to myself, to trusting in myself to offering the work out to other people that I was healing in myself, in particular with regard to the uh, sexuality stuff. Because my previous life, when I'd been seriously locked in addiction and having to fund that addiction through sex work, that previous lifestyle meant that I was really gathering an awful lot of knowledge and information about sex work and sexuality but I didn't really you know I I was lost within it all I didn't know how to make sense of what I had experienced after I came out of it until I went to this massive conference in America called ICOP the International Conference on Prostitution and it was a kind of you know really big conference like 700 delegates plus and it was service providers, it was law enforcement agencies, it was sex workers themselves, it was performers, it was adult industry, it was porn industry. There were so many people there with such a vast range of experience, a lot of whom were activists. And for me, that was a really pivotal point in my life. It was a turning point where I made a bridge from who I had been to who I was now, because activism has always been in me. You know, I'm just, I've always been a bit of a rebel. And some of the people I met there, like Annie Sprinkle, Carol Queen, Scarlett Harlot, all these amazing icons, just became these bright, shining lights for me to go, oh, hang on, it wasn't all trauma and it doesn't have to all remain trauma. 
so what do I do with that? Because there's a lot of dysfunctional stuff within the arena of sexuality, as you know, because you work with it. <laughs> so there you go. That's a kind of potted history of some of my background. Uh, obviously, where, how, where and how it leads to the breath, maybe we'll come to. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I, I've got chills when you were saying some of those things, because although my journey was different, those same topics and subjects reveal themselves on any self-awareness journey, whether you're going into the doorway of trauma or sexuality or somatic work or, you know, like you say, that yearning for connection and intimacy mm. is innate within us. And not everyone, but eventually it it urges you to go on a journey. Yours went through the like the doorway of addiction. You know, mine went through a different doorway, but we both ended up in such a similar place, which is I just had chills. The other thing I wanted to pick up on that you said that I just was like, oh my God, we're soul sisters. And I don't (laughs) ever say that lightly, um, was when you were talking about presence. Mm. I used to go around, I I tried to leave this work for a while. I tried to leave it a few times, you know, the nature of the journey. And I was trying to bridge it into conscious business because Mm. the practices are the same right? And anywhere we bring more awareness. And I had my reasons for thinking that was a good idea at the time. But I went around to networking groups doing a talk called the number one most important skill for bedroom and business. <laughs> and the number one important, m- most important skill was presence. <laughs> right? Because yeah. if you're not there, you're not yeah. experiencing it. Mm-mm. Whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's so simple once you realize, and it takes most of us, you talked about the demographic of your uh, listeners, and it takes most of us at least half a century to come to realize how important that is. And many of us don't get the opportunity to really understand that, which is, which is what drives me in my work. It's like, hey, you know, you're okay. It's yeah. not that you're broken. It's not that things are irretrievable. It's just you have to remember who you are. And in order to do, coming into presence is a, is a warrior act of courage, I think, because we have to totally be willing to be vulnerable and expose our innermost needs and desires and, and vulnerabilities, tenderness, you know, to go to those tender edges. Absolutely. And because we're not in control of the present moment. It means, can I sit with, you know, I can be present when things are good and feel nice and someone's being nice to me or whatever, but can I be present with my pain or your pain or or when things are falling apart or I don't feel enough or my stuff has been triggered or that's Mm. the dance, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that in. (laughs) And that dance for me is daily, you know? Minute by minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we move through these waves of experience. And uh, one of our lead core faculty team in our breathwork training is a very, very experienced meditator. She's been meditating for kind of like three, four decades now. She she was first taken as a small child by her mum to meditation classes, and she's been doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. So when she starts talking, she almost opens this field, this resonant field where, you you know, you talked before about goosebumps and chills. It's when those fields connect somehow. And she did this introductory meditation on our training last week. We always start with 10 minutes awareness of breath or embodiment or whatever. And 
this meditation was really profound for me because it speaks to what you've just said, that she said, you know, okay, noticing in your body what's happening and where are there any sensations and do they connect to a feeling, an emotion? And what would it be like? You know, she said, do, notice if you label that as unpleasant. Notice which sensations are labeled as pleasant. And what would it be like to remove those labels and just allow the sensations? And it was a bit of a game changer for me. Chills again. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, wow, it's our attachment to the describing of an experience that creates the suffering. This is horrible. I don't want to feel this. So I have this new practice, Rebecca, Ooh, and sense. it's really it's really helpful for me because if I go into any story, whether that's about relationship on a personal level or with my lover or with my work or with my community or my friends or anybody at all, what I do is I sit and I take a breath and I'm just kind of like, okay, well, in this moment, <laughs> am I willing to be in this relationship, this friendship, this work situation right now? And if the answer is yes, am I ready to leave? And the answer is no. If I'm willing to be in it, then, okay, so if I'm willing to be in it, why am I choosing these thoughts that make my experience of it so uncomfortable and unpleasant? Oh, they belong to me. Hang on a minute, right. Oh, damn, they belong to me because that person has no idea what I'm thinking, feeling and experiencing. It's all mine. And if I'm not at the point where I'm ready to leave, make a change or opt out, then therefore my responsibility to myself is to look at what those thoughts are which unmet needs do they speak to? Because then there's a solution. What in me is feeling kind of hurt, upset, desiring of change? Is it the part that wants to flee, that's triggered, that's old? Is it a new part? Is it something where I feel I'm not being heard, respected, seen? How do I address that? So in this presence piece that we're talking about, we start to come towards uh, personal responsibility. And in my shamanic practice, that's the key. We have this saying, no accidents, no blame, let the wind blow through you. So nothing happens by accident, there's no one to blame, and we let everything pass through us. It's beautiful, because it's like, it's like the shamanic mantra for presence. Mm, I love that. Say it again. No accidents, Accident. no blame, let the wind blow through you. Jill's again. I, I want to talk to you forever. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? Because... You know, we're not taught how to live a life. We're not taught that we are so much more than just our human body. I think because we are supposed to come and experience being human and figure out that we're not just human or, or <laughs> what or what it means to be embodied as human. And then there's the, like you say, the stories and strategies that we create as we grow up. And then we get old enough, like you say, we hit like mid-century and think, okay, what's working for me here? What isn't, what is mine? What, what stories are mine and I want to keep them and what, when, what, which stories aren't working for me anymore. And I have the power to change them or to at least be aware of them, which loosens their grip on me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really beautiful is everything we're talking about, the shamanic stuff, breath, the somatic piece, all of that, but those are all the tools and resources to get to that place, to be and maintain presence, mm. regardless, not regardless, that's maybe diminishing with whatever is present. Yeah. Not regardless, but yeah, embracing all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if we didn't have preference, 
then we would be okay with everything. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, I have these conversations all the time. It's it's the contrast that teaches us. And some of my most valuable lessons have come through the most challenging relationships and situations where I've really become clear about, oh, okay, so that's what was happening. So another saying that often happens is what if this, what if another saying that is often, that I often use is what if this is happening for me and not to me, which again, keeps us out of that victim place of like, I'm powerless and how dare you do that to me, to reclaiming that part that goes, hang on a minute, okay, so how can I change this experience I'm having and shift the tempo or the frequency a bit like we were talking about with the thoughts. And and I mean, you know, I live in Glastonbury now, as you know, and I'm, I have these conversations regularly about frequency and energy and vibration and, and this remembrance of what we're actually here for. And actually, you know, it, it's so simple in, in many ways. It's very, very complex and it's so simple at the same time. And that that old saying, you know, before enlightenment, chop would carry water. After enlightenment, chop would carry water. It's yes. like, oh, yeah, hang on a minute. Doing the dishes consciously and being present to that has as much value as, I don't know, receiving worldwide acclaim for the work that I do. Or, you know, it's kind of like staying humble and at the same time not allowing that humility to keep us really small and locked in these places where, oh, I can't possibly do that. Oh, me? Because it's like we all have the capacity to shine, to be great, to really... Yeah, I mean, you know, this inquiry, what what are we here for? Yes. Why why did I incarnate? Especially at this time. <laughs> I know, right? I've been asking myself that a lot recently. Like if we are the if we are spaciousness itself and the all that is and we can float around being the universe, why am I here now experiencing and, and witnessing what I perceive of as pain and trauma in the human cohort, you know? Mm. And I, I went through a, a phase recently being quite devastated by that and then kind of thinking, well, my belief system, and I'm aware it's a belief system, <laughs> is, and, and maybe and maybe to some experience, that start, to some extent experience is, well, it's a playground. And like you said, with contrast, we learn, we can grow, you know, like you need the sun and the rain for a plant to grow. I think part of the trick is when you're in the challenge, like you said, is to say, what if this is happening for me, not to me? Or one of my favorite sayings from the book Illusions, which I probably read 40 years ago, is there's no such thing as a problem without a gift for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that the Richard Buck one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That quote is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And it it helps. It, It doesn't always help right you're in the thick of it, but we need the thick of it to get the contrast. Because if we were all like, oh, well, there's some challenge here, but I'm just gonna, it's not a problem. We might not get the growth. Sometimes maybe we have to forget in the moment, but have the tools to come out of it and then reflect and say, how am I going to use it? Yeah. Yeah. Talk to you for ages, but it's something I really want to talk about. I know you do so much more than breath, but there's something that I thought that you particularly would be able to elaborate on succinctly not that's not the word I want I guess with words it's like trying to use words to point to an experience is always a tricky thing right so I thought that you might be able to do that better than I can so I often talk about breath is an ancient technology and that obviously we go about breathing and we don't think about it thank goodness mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, if we had to know the mechanics of it, we might not do it, but we do it and it happens. And it's one of few bodily functions that we can easily have running unconsciously or take over consciously. And then there's lots of ways to use it to create change and healing and pleasure and alter states of consciousness. And so Mm. that's why I call it an ancient technology. We just don't, we're not taught how to use it. Do you resonate with that, that it's an, an ancient technology? I totally resonate with that. And the the only thing that struck me that I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that one when you were just speaking was when you said, and it's something that we don't think about. And that's probably a good thing, because actually, I think that what we need to do more is bring our awareness to our breath, because most people are typically habitually over breathing. And one would think oh, over-breathing, surely that can't be a bad thing because I'm getting more oxygen into the body. But that's not true because it is an ancient technology because obviously, well, not just the fact that, you know, the breath is our connection to life. You know, we don't actually breathe on our own until the moment we are born and we take our first inhale of air because our oxygen needs when we're in the womb are met through the placenta and through our mothers. And so, We're breathing, but we are breathing underwater. We're breathing through the placenta. The gaseous exchange is all taking place in utero. And then we come out into the world and we start to take a breath. Our lungs don't fully develop. I only found this out recently, actually, which blew me away until we are about 20, 25 years old, which is about the same amount of time that it takes for the prefrontal cortex in the brain to develop, you know, this center of logic and thinking. I know it's mind blowing. And so... But as we as we move through life and we gather experience and the breath is constantly accompanying us, obviously, maybe we experience shock and trauma and we're like, <gasps> and it's there and we don't shake it off. We don't release. We don't. The, the, all this stuff gets locked in the body. And yet yogis and students of pranayama and different breathwork practices, as you say, have been doing this for millennia, like consciously working with the breath. And I love that you brought in that it can help with sexuality, pleasure, altered states of consciousness, and then quite simply and fundamentally health. Mm. Because when I say over-breathing, I'm talking about people who are habitually breathing with an open mouth. So walking around day to day or exercising, and then we start gasping for breath. So we open our mouth and we think we're taking in more air, but the carbon dioxide levels are dropping to the point where that oxygen isn't then getting to our vital organs and it's not crossing our blood-brain barrier. Mm. And so when I talk about over-breathing, the paradox is that the over-breathing actually creates less health, whereas conscious breathing in and out through the nose and deepening our relationship and our capacity to take in not just more oxygen but also more carbon dioxide to deliver that oxygen to the places in the body that need it, then it's a science, you know, breathing is a science. And yet it's also, as you said, a natural bodily function. And it's possibly the only part of our autonomic nervous systems that we do have any control over and that we can self-regulate. And for me, that's become my practice. It's an anchor, you know, and it brings me into presence because the more I work with the breath and the more I sit down in the morning or wake up, the first thing I do when I wake up is I just go... I take some really deep breaths and I express to myself gratitude for that breath because without it, I'm no longer here. That's it. It's as simple as that. And I, I think about all the people who can no longer take a breath, who I've loved and who are no longer in my life. And again, when you get older, there's more of those typically. Right. So it's like, 
wow, you know, I'm breathing in the same air that my ancestors breathed. I'm breathing in the same air that's created by the rainforest in the Amazon. It's, it's, it's mind-blowingly beautiful, simple, and yet incredibly complex. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thank you for all of that. And I think you're right. Yeah, we should, and I'm careful of the word should, but <laughs> breathing consciously better than not noticing that we're breathing. Yeah. 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 I have a practice recently of tuning into what I call the cosmos. For me, it's it's like a, I don't know, it's a place I go and that's what it feels like. So that's what I call it. But breathing it down into my body and into my organs and into my spine. And I find it very calming and I find it expansive and I find it healing. And I have different breathing practices at different times, but that that's my most recent one. And I, I was thinking to ask your thoughts on, you know, there's a lot of different spirituals, shall we say, workshop type places where they'll say, breathe in love and, (laughs) you know, whatever doesn't serve you. I, my feeling is that it's possible, but you have to actually tune into the field of that thing. And what, what, what do you think? Is that possible to do? Is it helpful? Is it distracting? No, I think that's essential because otherwise it is, we're back to this. It's just words, you know, breathe in love. Ah, what does that mean? What does it feel like? What am I breathing in? Anybody can do that on a weekend retreat or a workshop. You know, they can stay in the head and have this concept of breathing in love. Breathe out what no longer serves you. And it made me laugh when you said that because it's such a cliche in the wellness industry. And every time I hear it now, I'm going, oh, God, well, it's all in service. You know what I mean? The good, the bad, the ugly, it's all in service. And so, yeah, you absolutely need to be able to find that connection within your energetic field and within your body. Otherwise, it's meaningless. It won't land and it won't last. However, that said, you know, in the name of what we've been saying, everything is a process. Everything is a journey. Everything moves through cycles and evolving changes, you know. So had somebody said that sentence to me five years ago, I would experience it very differently to how I might experience it now. And I think fundamentally the practices are key. I'm sure you see this in your work, Rebecca, you know. It's like people come because they know that something is wrong in their life or there's something that they want to change. And I always say to the people that come to me, and maybe you do the same, you know, I'm not here to heal you, fix you, teach you, guide you. I'm here to hold the space for you to open the door to find the answers within yourself. And if you go away and you don't put the practices in place, you're just going to keep looking for external solutions to whatever it is that is going on. And again, we come back to this courage and the the willingness to really look inside and take responsibility. And many people aren't ready to hear that or feel that or maybe don't know yet what that looks like or how they can get help, which is where it's great having facilitators that people can go to. And it lodges, you know, I think about all the people I've worked with over the years and, and the little nuggets and jewels that they've given me you know, sometimes pleasantly, sometimes unpleasantly, sometimes from shadow, sometimes from light. But there's all these nuggets that have landed that have created this sense of increased self-awareness. And self-awareness is the first step into self-mastery. Right, right. And exactly as you said, 
all of that is a process. Like I often liken the journey to if you told me you wanted to be a master clarinetist, you couldn't just have a lesson once in a while and pick up the clarinet once a month. There's a consistent process. You have to get the muscle memory. You know, you have to get the embouchure right. You have to, you know, get your breathing right, for Mm. goodness sake. Absolutely. With with a clear intention of where you want to get to, you know, with, I think, a clear intention, but also open to where it might go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Surrendering control, <laughs> but putting in, it's, you know, my one of my least favourite words when I was younger was discipline. And every, I have this deck of angel cards and I always picked the discipline card and I'd be like, discipline, <laughs> I hate that stuff. And then I remember being fortunate enough to work with Gabrielle Roth once when she was alive, God rest her soul, founder of Five Rhythms, a really powerful shamanic woman, medicine woman, definitely. And one of her quotes that it's in one of her books and that she speaks to a lot is, it takes a great deal of discipline to be a free spirit. And the first time I heard it, I was like, oh God, there's that word again. What does it mean? And now I've realized it really does because the work and the practice and the discipline and the structure and the form and all these words that I used to really shy away from are the things that have absolutely created freedom because the more we know ourselves, love ourselves and accept ourselves, and the more we do the work to repair, repair, bring back into alignment these parts of ourselves that have got lost, the more we can find freedom and trust in our own, you know, like what people think of me is none of my business. And when we get to the point where that really, really lands, it's like, actually, yeah, you know, I'm who I am. You're who you are. Don't be a dick. Sorry. <laughs> That's a gender-based word that is not <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. I could use the other one, but I won't say it on air. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we we just do our best to be really conscious of our drivers, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, where they've come from, how they've been programmed, who they belong to. Yeah. Loads of the stuff that I carry isn't even mine. Right. You know, typically it will be from our primary caregivers right. and then from our educators. And you said something before, you know, about the breath. You know, we don't learn this stuff in school. We don't really learn about intimacy and sexuality in school. What, what it, we don't learn money management. We learn maths, but we don't learn financial acumen. And it's kind of like everything is skewed. You know, it's just kind of, oh, okay, well, how useful has that been? Very little use. Right. So we have to go and find the ways to learn what we need to learn. Yeah. And there's a whole big conversation for another time around why are we taught what we're taught and not what you and I might think would be useful to be taught. But that's, we'll save that (laughs) because that's a whole rabbit hole. Yeah, this is awesome. So I wanted I want to ask because I could talk to you for days, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to draw it to a close, which I hesitate personally to do, (laughs) just because I could talk to you forever. Is there anything that we haven't talked about or that I haven't asked about that is alive for you in your work that is important to bring into the conversation? No, I mean what's alive for me is is presence and alignment and we have already spoken about those and when I use the word alignment it's kind of like find I feel that we're out of balance when we're out of alignment somewhere in life and again we have all these clues and these indicators so you know you go back to your audience and you go back to why they may come to you why my clients may come to me and typically we are seeking some form of healing some form of restoration some form of 
uh, opening or answers, even if we don't know what those answers are that we're looking for. We just know what's wrong before we know how to align with what feels right for us. Um, And so the more I do the work and the more I realize that presence is the foundation, the more I realize that I can work with anybody. I can work with people, whether it's around their intimacy and sexuality. But that said, I have referral networks for people who specialize in those areas. So I might work with the breath and then send somebody to somebody like you. I might work with um, uh, something that brings up a therapeutic issue. And, And one of the things about ethics and boundaries and consent and informed practices, knowing where my own limits are. So it's like, hey, I'm really hearing you. And that's not my area of expertise, specialism or knowledge. And it's also not where my joy is. So I'm going to direct you now to somebody with whom that is their area of expertise, knowledge and joy. And I think that when we when we kind of really stay in our pleasure zone and we stay within what brings us, what lights us up, and it's taken me a long time to find that, then yeah, <laughs> then we can then we begin to understand the story of our life and what we've moved through and how it then becomes our medicine and our gift in the world. Yes. You know, and those gifts can be really simple things, like maybe somebody's biggest aspiration is to be comfortable tending their garden every day but to sit and gaze at at the the nature that's out of their window and somebody else's might be you know to to um to do something really out of their comfort zone you know I don't know go and jump out of a plane or or try extreme sports or whatever um but I think there's so much that we don't know about ourselves, our potential and our life. So I think that's what's alive for me at the moment. It's just how can I structure my work to bring people into more of the knowing of themselves that creates the freedom to experience themselves differently. And, you know, obviously there's all this stuff in the background around sexuality that's been my experience and the conferences that I've set up and and how I made sense of my life. Mm-hmm. which we haven't gone into today but in a way that the point that we have gone into is that how do we make sense of our lived experience you spoke a little bit about yours at the beginning as well there are times when we want to leave something behind and it calls us back there are times when we definitely leave something behind and we go thank goodness that's gone <laughs> yes mm-hmm. it's fascinating everything that you are talking about there's a exact or similar piece in my work. I mean, we, I think we do fundamentally the same work, just with overlapping tools and overlapping interests and joy, what what brings us as individuals joy. And I, th- I, I love what you said about when someone comes who hits a piece that isn't your expertise or joy and referring them on and learning to do that has first of all made my work life much better but also it's obviously better for those that are are seeking or looking for help or whatever and then I've noticed in myself that allows more of my own I'm going to use the word mastery but I use it lightly to come through because I'm mm. not trying to do the things I'm not I haven't been given to do yeah <laughs> I serve my people better kind of thing yeah and, yeah and then everyone has more joy and more healing and more transformation well like I said I could talk to you forever I'd love to have you back already. Um, tell <laughs> us where we can find you. I'll put all your information in the show notes, but tell us where mm. where you are. Well, typically the easiest way to find me, I'm very active on Instagram, as you know, and that's at Integrative Breath. You can also find me on my website. So I've got my personal website, stephmagenta.com and my breathwork website, which is integrative-breath.com. 
And those are the easiest ways. I'm on Facebook, I'm on social media, I'm on LinkedIn, yada, yada, yada. But one doorway, the simplest doorway, find me and then you'll find me in all the other places. Right. Okay. And I'll make sure all that's in the show notes, in the information place. Thank so, you so much. It's oh, been a real pleasure. <laughs> it's been an absolute joy. I, like I say, I find your work fascinating. I follow you and I'm inspired by you daily. So I'm really grateful that you came on and, and talked to some my peeps. Yay. Yeah, thank you. Um, and likewise, I really enjoy what you're doing in the world, Rebecca. And since we first met, which is a long time ago now, I have followed your work and your progress. And I love the, the humor, the joy, the delight, the realness and the skill that you bring to what you do. It feels that uh, there's an open doorway for people to be able to approach without feeling intimidated. And I think that's really important in our work. Thank you. Yeah. Good to hear. Thank you. Mm, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.